The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 4, Episode 22, Q&A at Conduit with L.E. Modesit Modesit Jr. Because <laughs> um, I can never get his name right. Um, 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And, and we're not that smart. <laughs> and we As don't we know who's supposed to say what. Um, we I'm would, Dan. I was remiss in um, last time mentioning Dungeon Crawler Radio, who are awesomely recording this for us because producer Jordo was gone and Dan and I were scared of the equipment. Um, you guys, it's dungeoncrawler.com or how do, how do they find you? Dungeoncrawlersradio.com. Dungeoncrawlers with an S, yes. radio.com. A wonderful podcast of which I have been a guest before and lots of us have been. It's a, it's a great podcast, so go listen to them. And thank you guys very much. We once again have Rob Wells filling in for Howard. Um, he's our Howard Hi. this week. Hi, Rob. Hi. And we also have Lee, um, Lee Modisett. I got it right. Um, Lee Modisett, who is uh, filling in, well, guest starring for us. We're going to do some Q&A. So do we have a question? All right. Come on up. This is a question for Lee. Uh, it's a Memorial Day question because he's a veteran. Lee, what are the things you think people most often get wrong about writing military in fantasy as well as science fiction? Wow, excellent question. <laughs> there are a number of things people get wrong about writing the military. Um, one of which is most people understate the element of discipline in the military. There are far too many insubordinate, both call it rankers and non-commissioned officers in most military fiction. There is an element of insubordination in the military, but unless your career or have had time in the military, you'll never recognize it. It's very insidious. It's a polite yes, sir, with the overtone of, you are a complete idiot, sir, but I will do exactly what you say, and we will see the disastrous results of following your ill-advised order. Or sometimes they will say, sir... With, an ex- with a comment which basically says, ask me a question, any question, because I really don't want to do it that way because we're going to all get killed. <laughs> or if they're really desperate, they'll say, sir, uh, what exactly did you mean by that? Or words to that effect. But nobody will say, sir, you're a complete asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they may say it by tone, but every word will officially be polite. Uh, and I've got to tell a very quick 30-second anecdote about that. On my very first assignment, 
I was sent to Vietnam with the Special Landing Forces, and before we left, I was a junior ensign in charge of a, of a boatload of, of enlisted crewmen, and our job was to land Marines. And the captain asked me before we went, I want to ask you, Ensign Modisett, why are you in charge when you don't know anything and they do? And, of course, I was stumped, and he looked at me and says, because if anything goes wrong, we need somebody to hang. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Um, other questions? Right here. Come on up. I'm interested in hearing about uh, how you guys develop uh, action sequences. And I think with uh, Lee having been a veteran, I think learned pretty good about that from him. So just to develop a good action sequence, what you look for? Okay, developing good action sequence. I'm actually going to throw this over there first so that Lee has time to gather his thoughts. We've put him on the spot already. So, Dan or Rob, action sequences. Go for it, Rob. Rob, how do you develop an action sequence? <laughs> uh, the way that I do it, um, and the way that I've always done it and I really enjoy doing it, is that I don't plan it out. I, I set up the situation. I, I, I create the setting. I, uh, I, we know who the characters are. And then I just let it play out, and I try to figure out how it's going to happen. I know what this person would do in various situations. I know what the other person would do in various situations. And I just let it play out and, uh, and see what happens. And I end up having to trim a lot or add a little bit more here and there. But uh, um, I'm a discovery writer, and I, just, I think that is the best for action because it doesn't seem like you're leading to anything because you're making it up as you go. Okay. Lee? Um, two things. One... I really concentrate on the motivations of both sides of the action sequence before I ever get started. The second thing is action is far, far shorter than usually the description of that action. Having been in a number of situations and having been a Navy pilot, um, one of the descriptions of flying, which, which is or combat situation flying, which is tremendously accurate, is flying is 99% boredom and 1% sheer terror. And action sequences are pretty much the same way. Fights contrary to all of the television, all of the military stuff, they don't generally last very long. The lead-up is longer, the cleanup is longer. And you look at wars, it's the same way. Brief periods of action filled with enormous consequences thereafter and you may have a long, long battle, but what it really is is a series of very short action sequences paused by waiting and regrouping, a very short flurry of action paused by waiting and regrouping, or in the case of a battle which covers a large front, you will have sequential battles across it where this group advances or that group advances, and it's quiet someplace else. There very seldom in history have you seen a large front assault and even those that are haven't lasted very long. Okay. Other questions? All right. Sometimes to create a good character, you use uh, foil characters. And uh, I was just wondering if you have any good examples of foil characters and what would make a good foil character for you? Okay. Excellent. Foils. All right. I'm going to throw that at Dan first. Okay. I actually can answer this one. Uh, my first book, I Am Not a Serial Killer, is basically designed around a character and his foil, the good guy and the bad guy, and it was kind of built so that you weren't sure at any point which one to actually root for. 
Um, and the way I did that is I looked at my hero. I, I started the book with that character, John Cleaver, and this is what I wanted him to be. These were the things I wanted him to be good at. These were the things I wanted him to struggle with. And then just flipped it around and say, what would be interesting? Specifically looking at what are great conflicts I could create. If he's bad at this, then let's put him against a character who's good at this. And making sure to maximize all those points of conflict between the two of them. Lee? I don't use foil characters so much as I use interactive characters in the sense that no one character is a foil for any other, but there's an interplay between generally the group uh, group situation. Probably the largest foil I often use is male-female conflict because men tend to be far more impulsive and interactive, and women, although I have some daughters that go against that, but women... <laughs> generally are a little bit more thoughtful about what they do, perhaps because the consequences they see are far graver. Okay, excellent. Um, I want to amend what I said just a little bit, uh, because I don't think it's entirely accurate to say that if one character is weak at something, another character should be strong at it. That's not really what I meant. I think that if both characters are struggling with the same issue but attempt to solve it in different ways, that can also be a very effective foil. All right. Other questions? Come on up. I'd like to uh, hear how you schedule your time. Uh, do you write for eight hours straight? Do you have multiple writing activities? How do you schedule your time? Okay, let's go to everyone on this one. Um, let's, uh, do you want to start with us, Lee, this sure. time? Yeah. My wife says, I don't schedule anything. I just write all the time. That's not quite true. Um, basically, I start the day with a 45-minute walk so that I've got some energy and I have also feel virtuous about the whole thing. Take a quick shower, sit down at the computer, spend about 15 minutes answering email, and then I start to work. And generally, I work about 50 minutes out of 50 to 55 minutes out of every hour, take five minutes off to get a break, walk the dogs, what have you, go back to work, and I pretty much do that for about eight or nine hours. Sometimes I take a break and go to, go grocery shopping or something like that, but generally it's about a 12-hour day from the time I first sit down until the time I give up. Okay. Rob? Uh, mine is a little bit different because I uh, still have a full-time job, um, and so my writing is generally nights and weekends um, and early mornings. Um, the best thing that I, I've found for my writing is to write in big chunks of time. I know there are a lot of people who they write full time or whatever. They just when they're trying to find time to write, they'll take 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there, and that just doesn't work for me. I know it works for other people, but what I'll try to do is block off all Saturday. So that's where I was today until I came here for this, and that's where I'm going back to uh, all Monday. I'm not doing anything on the holiday. I'm just writing. Um, but one of the best things for me, um, as far as just finding time to write, is I have started uh, waking up at uh, four four thirty every morning, and uh, I absolutely adore it. It is, I mean, you can That's get because you're insane. I know. Yeah. Uh, get uh, get two or three hours of writing in before you have to go into work. Your mind That's is when I clear. Go to bed. <laughs> but but I, I'd interject here. That's actually the schedule, even though he's a full-time writer. That's also the schedule that Joe Haldeman uses. Yeah. He wakes up at 4 o'clock and writes for four hours. There are a lot of authors that do that. 
Uh, you still have a full-time job? Didn't you just sell a, uh, a book series for like an obscene amount of money? I have not received the obscene amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. We, we do appreciate Rob sitting in. Um, we, we didn't give him as much of a promo as he deserves, but um, he writes young adult science fiction, um, and the first book will be coming out in 2012? Fall of 11. Fall of 11. Wow, cool. fast. Yeah, cool. pretty quick. So, but yeah, just a month ago is when we uh, finalized it. So, yeah. All right. All right, Dan. Okay, I've talked about my schedule before, but uh, very briefly, what I will do is I'll get up in the morning. I do go to an office. Um, I will spend a few hours in the morning checking my email and kind of maintaining online presence. It's important to me to try to post something on my blog every day. Um, then when I'm done with that, I will go through what I wrote the previous day, um, read through it, fix minor errors, and then by the time I'm done with that, I'm kind of in the zone and ready to go, and I will then write for three or four hours. And so, by office, he means... Um, I mean Brandon's basement. <laughs> <laughs> the Dragonsteel Entertainment Headquarters. Yes, yes. Dragonsteel Entertainment Headquarters. Yeah, that's right. Which um, is Brandon's my, basement. Um, I've, talked about my, <laughs> I've talked about my schedule before, too. Um, but for me, I just want to emphasize that um, structure is really important for writers, I've found. Uh, I'm not a really structured person. I don't, I'm, I don't have a day planner and plan things out and whatnot, but I've found that if I don't at, enforce some structure upon myself, um, it's not good. I do like to keep it loose and free. I do like to be able to take time off when I want and work when I want and not when I, when I don't want to, but um, you need some structure. And I've found that the, the more, more structure I enforce upon myself, the more productive I actually am despite being a non-structured person. So that's a, that's a piece of advice there. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're going to go ahead and pause and talk about our book of the week. We're going to promo another one of Lee's books, and we're going to have him tell you about it. The book is called Haze. It just came out in paperback uh, as well, but it has been an audio book for about nine months. And it is a story which actually takes place, or a third of it, in Utah. It takes place about 4,000 years in the future. And it's a, culture, a cultural clash between, if you want to put it this way, the Chinese-dominated World Federation and an undisclosed out-system culture, which may be alien, may be human, but the planet is shrouded in nanosatellites, which make it impervious to radiation. And the main characters got to do a recon expedition to find out what's beneath it. All right. And you can um, go to Audible and go to the website audiblepodcast.com slash excuse and download a free copy of Lee's book and start your free trial for 15 days. Um, and in doing so, you really you support writing excuses quite a bit, so we appreciate it every time you do that. All right, let's have one more question right here. Yeah, my question is, um, actually, I'm looking for tips. When you're writing dialogue across several different characters, and I know you're very familiar with this, how do you really keep it authentic to each different character so it doesn't just sound like the same person talking to themselves? That's an excellent question. Very, very good question. I'm going to give this to Lee, um, and like most of them, and see what you have to say. <laughs> I try and think in terms of the personality of each character and what their, call it their word patterns, are like. There are some characters who like my Professor Fitzhugh in the uh, Eternity Artifact, likes to use the biggest words he can possibly find and the longest and most complex sentences he can possibly devise. There are other characters, like Jang, the pilot, who basically don't like nouns. Everything's verbs. Those are the two extremes. But you try and find a pattern or a rhythm for each character because the rhythm is as important as the word choice. It's also a question, do they like big words or little words? Um, I would say on this, this is something that I've, I've worked with quite a bit. Um, for me, when I put two characters in a scene, I think about how they as a, as a character are going to be different from the other character. Um, this kind of plays off the foil concept, but with each conversation, I'm trying to create a... You know, we're going to have people on different sides of a discussion, not necessarily arguing, but they're going to approach things from their own viewpoint. And in the same way, I want their different t- speech patterns to kind of play off of one another because you can highlight their individuality by the, dis- the differences between them. Uh, when you're talking about an educated character, it's more than just 
big words. Um, and it's more than just whether a character uses contractions or not, because those are kind of the, those are the surface level sometimes things that make it, sometimes you want to use those, those are easy, but in some cases, how someone constructs their sentences, how, how complex their sentences are, how complex their thoughts are, how well they follow the conversation, um, how easily they may be you know, misunderstanding or intentionally misunderstanding or so dedicated to their personal ideology that they don't want to understand the other person, that can have a, lot, a large influence. If a character is not quite as smart as the other characters, n- instead of just having them use smaller words and things, having them not quite understand and, and, and make that come across by the, the way they speak in the conversation is a better way sometimes. And so I'm looking for each of the characters to foil one another in a conversation. Um, it, I... One of the things that I struggle with, actually, so this is what I'm going to mention, is making sure that you know what each character wants to get out of that conversation. Um, And it's usually very clear to my writing group when they read a scene of dialogue and they say, you know, that one character didn't really accomplish anything. He was just talking because there was space to fill. And making sure that you know what they want so that they have a purpose they're driving towards. Not everyone necessarily talks that way in real life, but in a book... If it's going to be interesting and if it's going to be believable, the characters need to feel like they're leading towards something, like they actually have a motivation behind what they're saying. All right. Um, Go ahead. I was going to add something quick. uh, um, Just as far as flavoring the writing, uh, Dan and I have a cousin, and uh, I think yesterday on Facebook he posted something. He's a big uh, um, Jeep guy, and he likes to go out and drive around and, uh, and enjoys working on his Jeep and... But uh, the other day on Facebook, he posted his status, and he was complaining about something, and he said, it grinds my gears. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I think, I mean, and that almost, when I read it, I thought, he sounds like a bad character in a book. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, you can take that, uh, that concept of what does this guy surround himself with, and, and how will that flavor his, the way that he talks, the u- words he uses, and the analogies that he makes. Great. Um, that's, that's very good to add. Let's, um, let's give a round of applause for Lee and for Rob. For... <laughs> we really appreciate these guys. Um, and we're actually going to end this podcast by forcing Lee to give us a writing prompt. Oh. <laughs> All right. It doesn't have why, to be a good one. Why... <laughs> Does she not sound like the guy she's interested in? Okay. Okay. There's your writing prompt. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.